Hey folks, it's the double feature, the real one. We're back again, uh, and uh, Eric Hand is still with me. Um, Hello. But, uh, yeah, in case you you didn't listen to the recap episode, uh, Eric's gonna explain who he is. Go for it, Eric. Hi, um, folks. My name is Eric, son of Cameron, of the House Hand, of <laughs> State California, now Michigan. Um, I know Jack from college. Yada yada, cornerstone. We don't talk about it because it sucks. Um, <laughs> though the though the phrase "golden eagle" will occur more than once yeah. in this particular discussion. Um, yeah, check uh, check out Eric's shit. Uh, he's great. Thanks, you're great. Uh, I like this him. show. Is great. Aww. Thank you. Aww. Aww. That's why I was so excited to be on here. And yeah, yeah. So Erica, Eric brought not Erica. Uh, um, Eric Thanks, brought every bully in middle school. Jesus I'm Christ. sorry, I just dredged that up <laughs> for you. <laughs> um, so Eric brought in two movies this week, and uh, they are they are an extremely goofy movie, um, the direct-to-video uh-huh. sequel to 1995's A Goofy Movie, and uh, and then the much better movie Rescuers Down Under the 1990 sequel to the 1977 movie, The Rescuers. And both of those are very good and actually worth watching. Uh, (laughs) I will say a goofy movie. A goofy movie is definitely worth watching. Uh, Just the anytime Disney direct to video, I mean, maybe saving like some of the Aladdin sequels, especially the the second Aladdin sequel, the Prince of Thieves. Oh yeah. King of Thieves was badass, dude. Particularly good. Um, Um, because Aladdin's dad shows back up, and they go to this like golden city, and oh, yeah, it's, it's and his dad's like actually like Alibaba. It's, yeah, it's right, weird. yeah, it's yeah. Uh, yeah, Aladdin and the the King of Thieves, or yeah. was it Prince? I don't know. Anyway, that one was good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I guess without further ado, Eric, what what made you choose these two movies? Um, well, they're both sequels to movies that I love very dearly. And to me, uh, the uh, like sequels always sort of have, have intrigued me. Like, what what causes you to make a sequel? <clears throat> Spoiler alert: It's probably money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, if it, and sort of the angles that both of these take towards making towards being a sequel to to both very successful, very beloved movies is so vastly different i just thought it was really worth talking about and especially because they're made by the same company within the same 10 year span it, it sort of gives it's a really weird sort of microcosmy look at where their heads were at just 10 years later right i mean yeah they were exactly 10 years apart i mean yeah. uh like i was you know reading up slightly on on rescuers and it was the the second movie in the disney re- renaissance right Yep. So it's just after The Little Mermaid, but before Beauty and the Beast, right? Yes. And 
Right, and it's a sequel to uh, a sort uh, probably one of the better Disney films of the seventies. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. At least uh, definitely one of the better animated ones. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was a little yeah, like mid sixties to whatever was not the best time for Disney movies, but there were some there were some hits in there. Yeah. Um, I've always liked the Rescuers. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's at the you know it's at this this tale and at the at the beginning stages of you know this really productive thing sort of culminating in like maybe the lion king in 95 and then uh, i think i mean not to say or, that you're wrong i i think it lists here on the internet sort of it ends uh, they say 1999's tarzan is when uh it's generically considered the renaissance period ended okay well i'm just saying that um like that might be the end, but I'd say the Lion King is definitely the. Oh, highest. it's Apex for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, and I mean, I like the late '90s Disney stuff. Hunchback of Notre Dame, great, yeah. great movie. Hercules is probably my favorite. Hercules, really fucking good. Uh, right, and then, bam. I mean, and they had some direct-to-video sequels in there again. Like, I think Return of Jafar came out in like '94 or '95, Something and that there. was like the direct-to-video Aladdin sequel and. I know they did one for Lion King, but that might have not been till like the early two thousand. That was like a long time after the Lion King came out. Yeah, that would I was I was in my teens, so it would, yeah, it would have been in the early two thousand. Yeah, yeah. Right, and then you have I mean, and a, a, a goofy movie itself is sort of the you know in that pack of nineties Disney movies. It's, it's kind <laughs> of, it's kind of an also ran. You know, it came out like year after lion king or something and yeah it was 95 lion king was 94 yeah yeah and so i mean it's not it's not the big you know epic it's not as sort of uh classically informed as uh as like you know the lion king i mean that's basically Macbeth with lions, right you know it's exactly Macbeth with lions uh yeah yeah Right. You have uh, Simba's uh, sort of the, uh, uh, God, what's, I don't know, whatever, Scar's Macbeth. And yep. Or, well, I meant, it's uh, almost Hamlet in a weird way. I think Hamlet, I meant Hamlet, yeah. but I said Macbeth. It's not Macbeth. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as I was going through the plot in my head, I'm like, no, this is no, Hamlet. This is Hamlet. <laughs> it's Hamlet. shows you how much I know about Shakespeare. Uh, <laughs> um, right, right. But I mean, a, a goofy movie, well, maybe not classically informed is just a really really solid fun movie about a, a dad and his kid that's losing his like that are losing touch with each other you know it's i when i was max's age in that movie i didn't want to hang around my dad all the time but you know my dad's still an awesome guy and i think that's kind of what it's about like that sort of weird transitionary period where kids tend to pull away and parents are trying to pull them back and coming up with a compromise and it did it really well yeah and i mean i i i I can't remember if i was saying it in the in the previous like little episode segment or whatever but uh like the triumph for me with a goofy movie was painting goofy as a tragic figure Mm -hmm. um you know who's i don't know how much they refer to it but you know he's a single dad and yeah like you just have to infer what that means and usually they uh it being disney they're not going to imply divorce or anything like that it's like she died but they're not going to talk about that either exactly. but, but you know it's like she's just not there she's not yeah she's not there uh and he's just got this kid 
Yeah. And you know, he does he he's not he's not the most professionally successful dude in the universe. Uh he's kind of a dope. He messes mm-hmm. up a lot. Um <laughs> but he's, you know, sort of pure-hearted and he's just trying to like, you know, I mean, maintain this relationship with his son and yeah, a goofy movie really works <laughs> on that yeah. level. And it's I mean, it's just this great sort I mean, and it's got all the slapstick and stuff, but I I mean, sure. like the thing that left an impression on me was sort of the 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 melancholy of goofy uh, absolutely and just um, like with the, and they definitely I, I have a feeling whoever wrote a goofy movie had a bunch of moody teenage kids at the time because they really portrayed max in almost a really negative light too yep uh, <laughs> so you could definitely tell this single dad that's down on his luck is the hero and this dick kid is trying to fuck him over it's like all right I do all of this for you, you ungrateful little shit. <laughs> just sitting there writing, just like bleeding out of it. Like, oh. <laughs> what are you writing, Dad? Writing about us. Get off my ass. <laughs> <laughs> it became a goofy movie. I don't know. Right, yeah. So We're transitioning from a goofy movie to an extremely goofy movie. Yeah, it's, it's lost it, man. It just lost it, it. I think there's about five minutes in the beginning where it hits all the right notes. I'll give it that. Like it really does not quite double down, but at least uh, rehearses uh, Goofy's sadness mm-hmm. again for just five minutes, <laughs> and then it's just like, oh, skateboards. Yeah, and even in that five minutes, it kind of it lost me as. I know it's been a while since you've seen a Goofy movie, but yeah. like, it without with zero mention of Roxanne or any of the love story that went on before, that Max had to fight for and eventually, I mean, you don't win a woman, but that's you know that's how they, they right. said you know he finally gets the girl of his dreams. Six months later, zero mention. He's off to college. She doesn't even exist in this movie, well, and I'm like, well, kind of how high school goes though. <laughs> I'd say that's a more realistic thing, but yeah, I, I, I just would have loved the, the, the line, "Hey, sucks about Roxanne, let's go find a new girl at college." Uh, it just would have at least tied the two movies together thematically. There's exactly zero ties to the first movie to the second one, right? So, yeah, which is <laughs> kind of odd for a sequel, but right. Yeah, but man, direct to video, you don't exactly have the A team. On that. <laughs> no, exactly. Though I will say, like the animation was good enough that I'm like, okay, I could have seen that being released in theaters. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, right. It had sort of the same, you know, it wasn't flat like a lot of uh, like direct-to-video, mm-hmm. you know, TV cartoons where there's no, they don't really play with lighting that much. This one, I mean, uh, the-, the animation was pretty good, but. Yeah. Nothing else. <laughs> there was some okay voice acting here and there, but I mean, the the, the skateboarding sequences looked cool. Yeah. Uh, the. I mean, if if the branding wasn't being crammed down your throat. Right. Like I mean, but, uh, that's. Bradley Uppercrest the third looked properly dickish. Like, yep. Mm. <laughs> he did kind of actually look like a dick. <laughs> I wonder if that was intentional or not. Yeah, I think, man, it just, 
I mean, thanks to furry culture, and not to throw shade at that, I'm just now just super uncomfortable with anthropomorphized animals. <laughs> I don't know, and I think, and and I'm willing to say that's that's probably my own insecurities rather than, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to. I mean, seriously, whatever gets you off, that's fine. But <laughs> furries are just that's something just I, fine. I I really just haven't been able to wrap my head around that, and and it's just right. raised my awareness of like, you know, right? There's a lot of like sexy dog people in a strictly goofy <laughs> movie, and uh, like just you made me giggle like a little schoolgirl. Right, <laughs> just knowing that there are people that are legitimately sexually aroused by that, like uh, that's just, like that's somebody's idea of porn. Right? Thing. Yeah. I mean, it just it colors it in a different way for me. Not to say that it means the movie is itself perverse, or if there's any real, I'd hesitate to say perversion, but I mean, it's just there's a lot of hot dog people. That's weird. Right. Yeah. That that's kind of the long and short of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Can you can you shed a light on this note that I made about this? I said on my, my, my six lines of notes for a goofy movie, extremely goofy movie, I have under one of them, you love stuffed bear, exclamation point. You what, love was I, what was I referring to? Uh, Max had a stuffed bear yeah. um, that he leaves behind the morning. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And that's that's sort a of... weird note to leave about it. But... Yeah, you love <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, Goofy does. Um, oh man, one of my notes on it was opens on casual racism. Uh, <laughs> you've got Goofy in a turban banging a gong, which makes no fucking sense, <laughs> but it feels wrong. <laughs> it does. It a lot. Of, yeah, a lot of this movie just felt wrong. Um. And then we get into, you know, we touched on it briefly during the uh, the recaps. But, like, this is, this is, if, if a goofy movie was about a, a single dad's relationship with his son, this is about a single dad who's going through some crazy midlife crisis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not the makings, uh, the makings of a good kids movie that is not. Right, yeah, I mean, there's... There's nothing for a kid to latch on to except, hey, skateboards. <laughs> and the then otherwise, I guess it's like, or beat poetry, weirdly enough. Right. <laughs> Who is this for? <laughs> it's In some not... ways, I think it's for me, like the weird sort of artistic, but still love sports guy, but still I hated it. Like, yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, parents were going to buy this in 2000. Like, I mean, oh, Goofy, the dog. Yeah. He's funny. Uh Show them to the kids, whatever. <laughs> but, oh, man. I mean, I don't think any kids at that time were really into disco. Like, maybe no. the X Games. But really, the only the only three things you have to latch on to are disco, extreme sports, and uh, beat poetry. <laughs> <laughs> Which are three things that you would never think of to think of in the same thought. Right. And they're putting the same sentence together. I don't know. It, yeah, it's really just it's just oddly thought out. It was, it was yeah. really done, and I and I think um, that has a lot to do with where Disney was at at the time, which is something that we'll be talking probably a lot about um, once we hit on the rescuers a little bit. Yeah. 
Um, right. What? I, I think, yeah, the only interesting way to talk about an extremely goofy movie really is in relation to other things, because, like, <laughs> again, it was a chore to watch. I barely, I barely paid attention, because it was just, <laughs> like, numbing levels of stupid. <laughs> um, I, I had to drink in order to get through yeah. it. Why I think my was... notes, like, you love stuff. i made the mistake of watching it like in the morning and i was already like tired and grumpy and it just it cast a pall over the rest (laughs) of the day for me well i did make the the good choice i did make is i since i knew i wasn't going to enjoy it as much as the rescuers i watched it before watching (laughs) rescuers down under that's good and that was that was the best possible thing i could have done for my (laughs) mental health that day uh so yeah man like Right, where an extremely goofy movie is bad and very not good. Rescuers is very good and also very good. Yeah, um, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's good. Uh, right, I mean, it was definitely probably my favorite Disney movie as a child. It's the one that stuck with me the most, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, until the release of Hercules, which uh, I think that was just because I was a little bit older. Yeah. At that I mean, time. Like, and Hercules is badass enough that you could be 12 or 13 and be like, oh, this is cool. You oh, know? yeah. I mean, you it's, got, there's monsters getting their heads chopped off and shit. It's it's a great movie. Yeah, um, the very not correctly proportioned Meg with her two-inch waist and yep. triple-E boobs. Yep. But <laughs> that's a discussion for a different yeah, That's just a style. <laughs> was the art director on that but, but I, I think what really stuck with me and and this is something i made notes about just throughout my notes is just how gorgeous this movie is like it's you you talk about sort of well good an extremely goofy movie wasn't flat this is not just not flat this is incredible incredible art the way that they uh paint the outback and and Marahute in particular. Right. Then. I mean, yeah, just uh, fucking, fucking everything. Like, I mean, I, I so I, I uh, I'll just give you the existential take on this was, uh, you know, I was pretty bummed out after an extremely goofy movie. Throw mm-hmm. on Rescuers. First 10 minutes, I'm actually shedding tears just because it looks so good. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's this mixture of like nostalgia and like, oh man, it's like, you know, there's, these sort of abstract, you know, these images of this eagle, like, carrying this boy through the sky and, like, going through the, yeah, the outback, like, where, I don't know, it just hit me really hard, especially because I just watched a really shitty movie. <laughs> so, like, I don't know, yeah, just, just, uh, man, everything, like, even, even the way it does, like, the opening titles with the, you mm-hmm. know, it starts out with the bug, and then all of a sudden, like, the music kicks in, and you're just sort of flying through the underbrush. Yeah, uh, and then you see the title, you pass through the title, and then it zooms in on Cody. Ah, like it's and and to th- and it's crazy to think about. Like you know, this is all hand drawn in the in the early nineties. Like this yeah. is they don't have the computers and stuff that we do now, and just the time and the artistry and the love with which this movie was made is crazy. Um, yeah, one of the things that I. I noted when I was looking up some some history about it, is while this is definitely considered part of you know a, one of the jumping off points of the Disney Renaissance, the uh, cartoon Renaissance, it is 
the least successful in terms of box office of any of the Renaissance movies, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, yeah. Considering how much, to me, it might, maybe not the best, but certainly most impactful. Right, right. I mean, I, yeah, again, I mean, I remember popping in this, this VHS tape repeatedly as a child. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just, I mean, just because, I mean, there was a lot, you know, as a, as a little boy at a certain time, like, uh, you know, there was just something awesome about, you know, the wildness of Australia and the, mm-hmm. you know, the animals and, you know, the kids interacting with animals. And then the, you know, the, I mean, even the, the, the pure evil of McLeach, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's, he's sort of the Dude's most, <laughs> like just one of the most striking Disney villains ever. I, yeah. think. I mean with a great vocal performance from George C. Scott. Yeah. Like I mean he just burrows into your brain like he's, you know, I mean this is a guy who says he's going to enjoy watching crocodiles eat a child. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's just... they they poke fun at his lack of education throughout yeah. the movie, but he's still he's so he his intelligence lies in the most in the scariest of places, like how to be able to manipulate a kid to to by saying that he needs to protect this endangered species' eggs, so that he can then follow him and kill their mother. Like, my yeah. God. <laughs> uh, uh, one of my first notes: knives in our culture. Would we be able to get away with Cody having a knife nowadays? Uh, depends on uh, what part of. I mean, I know you're a native Californian, but I mean, pocket knives were very much a part of my childhood. Yeah, but I mean, I think during, you know, our childhood, it probably could have been released. But what about 2016? Right. Yeah. You can put out a um, a movie showcasing a nine-year-old with a knife running around. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. Definitely not on. uh, I mean, I guess it's context specific. Like, I mean. Cody's this adventuresome little boy living in the you know middle of nowhere, commuting <laughs> with the animals. Fucker needs a pocket knife, man. Kid gets yeah. into scrapes. Uh, Clearly, this, yeah. <laughs> climbing up cliffs to to meet eagles. Like, <laughs> yeah, that needs a pocket knife. Uh, but yeah, that's an interesting question. Would Disney be willing to go there? Um. Cause like, cause like I don't know, because, said... like, uh, like I, I don't know, like, it's, I mean, I guess it's, you know, you kind of have to differentiate between maybe Disney and Pixar, because I think Pixar could go there mm-hmm. if they had the right story. Like, I don't think they'd be afraid of it, because I, I just saw Finding Dory recently, and I don't know, the amount of, like, danger in that movie was striking. Like, I was, a, right. I mean, and I always forget that, like, Pixar's, they're the ones sort of willing to go there. I mean, it's never outright outright cruelty, but there is this. Oh, there was Sid in the first Toy Story that right. borderlines on cruelty. So, and I think that's a big thing of what makes like good classic Disney movies work so well is them not being afraid of mortal danger. Yeah, and that's. I mean, I it doesn't. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't. I mean, and that's not the biggest thing, but I mean, I think the, that's couched in the fact that these movies don't condescend to children. They're made for children, but they don't condescend to children. Right. Um, and I think that's where every other fucking like piece of 3D animated garbage 
like loses it. I mean, I just remember, like, I you know, I saw Finding Dory, and every other every like preview f before it is for another 3D animated movie, and right. they it's all the same trailer, <laughs> basically. <laughs> It's like, oh, kooky character voiced by a celebrity, and then they throw in an inappropriate pop song on the soundtrack. Like, right. oh, look, animated bunnies singing Anaconda by Nicki Minaj, and this is being marketed to five-year-olds. Uh, <laughs> in some regard, that's, you know, that's uh, no regard for danger but, uh, in a very different kind of way. Or which one was that? No, I was, I was just saying that, that you know, it's a danger in its, in, a, in its own way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's always stakes, but I mean... There's something a little more, I'd say, yeah, mortal about uh, oh, absolutely. about like you know Disney stuff and uh, um, or Pixar stuff nowadays. Uh, and Disney stuff during the Renaissance, you know, you look at yeah, they 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 showed Mufasa die, and yep. like, and their characters are always on the borderlines of death or worse, if you will. Um. And mortality is a, is a big part of it. You know, Hercules, he loses his immortality and goes and is willing to die for the woman he loves, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. There's always that sort of edge of your seat. And it's way apparent in this movie when you have crocodiles lunging at this kid. Right. Or, I mean, and it's it's even through the landscape. You've got a nine-year-old yeah. crawling on these, like, massive cliffs and, like, <laughs> almost knocked off. Well, is knocked off repeatedly, but... I mean, Deus Ex Golden Eagle, right? Uh, <laughs> I have in my notes, Cody climbing on shit. This is clearly normal. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think, you know, back to the... I think Disney might be able to get away with Knives now. Especially since, you know, you made a good point that it sort of... It, it colors the character of Cody. Yeah. More than anything, I mean, obviously they used it in, in that. He never wielded it in a dangerous way, but it was just something that popped into my head when I was watching. Right. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not a weapon. It is very much a tool. Yeah. You know, he uses it to help, not hurt. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, big thing is, yeah, context. Um, so let's, let's talk about Disney. Okay. And where they were at when they made these two movies. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> because it's very different places. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, what, what are your thoughts? What are my thoughts? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it's always been an entertainment colossus, but yeah, between what, maybe late 70s and late 80s, you know, who remembers anything that came out of Disney Animation Studios? I mean... I personally really like The Black Cauldron, but I'd never say that's really a good movie by any stretch. Right. Um, they're making stuff that's, like, kind of good, but they're sort of hit and miss. It's not really the quality of, like, your Snow Whites or your, uh, your, uh, man, I'm blanking on any other animated feature. <laughs> like, well, you got Robin Hood, you got uh, Pinocchio. Oh, uh, uh, yep, yep. So, you know, basically from, like, the, the, the 40s to the 70s. Bambi, Dumbo. 60s yeah fantasia. oh my god fantasia how could we <laughs> fantasia yeah. <laughs> I, I found the timeline so we're good. okay excellent yeah uh, all right so 80s like you've got this you've got these other animation games in town and disney has a hard time sort of differentiating themselves 
Mm-hmm. I get. I mean, I'm just pulling this out of my ass. But... <laughs> well, I mean, I'm looking at it here. Robin Hood was technically the 70s. The Aristocats was 70. Uh, the Rescuers was 77. Yeah. And then we look into the 80s, and I'm not seeing anything. Right. There's like, like again, I think it's the Fox and the Hound, and maybe Oliver and Company. Which, I mean, I've watched Oliver and Company for this yeah. podcast. It's. Uh, I think it's good, but it's just not, you know, it's, it's never going to be mentioned at the same breath as Snow White. Yeah, no. And there, it looks like they were definitely more in the mood for their sort of lesser, it's kind of, it's all lesser Disney in the eighties and it's pretty much all live action. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So you got like the return to Oz. Oh, there oh is that movie is here. fucked up, dude. The Great Mouse Detective is one of my favorites. Oh, but, that one's great. And that's 86. Yep, that was one of my favorites, too. How could I... How did... How did she say, Do you come from a land down under? A women go and men wonder. Can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder? You better run, you better take cover. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the 70s, 80s, they're not doing anything. And then they get their big break back into animation in 88. Uh, Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid, or I guess 89, yeah, Little Mermaid. I might count Who Framed Roger Rabbit as sort of the beginning. Well, that's, that's sort of a joint, though, isn't it? Like, Yeah, because it's not really Disney. It has all the... Uh, the, the Daffy Ducks of the world. Right, yeah, I can't, re- can't remember. Besides so Rabbit was created for that movie. Yeah, yeah. And I think, right, I, um, I think that movie at least drummed up more interest in animation. Yeah. Again, uh, as, a, as a medium or art form. Yeah, according to this article on it, it says it spearheaded the Disney Renaissance with The Little Mermaid sort of taking the mantle of beginning. Uh, okay. Uh, which is so a, probably a like fine a, take on it. So maybe people like I mean I guess Roger Rabbit would have been the most cutting edge animation at that time. So yeah. maybe you have a ton of people working on that and they're like, "Hey, bro, I need animation jobs." And then Disney's like, "Hey, we used to do this. <laughs> yeah. There's all these people out there doing good work. Roger Rabbit made a fuck ton of money." <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> they uh, yeah, they just they were treading water and even business-wise they were kind of treading water in the 80s like they didn't they didn't have their own TV stations. They yeah. were just kind of like pushing. Disneyland was struggling. Um, yeah, I remember like even early '90s, the Disney Channel was just reruns of old cartoons. Yeah. Like I mean, it, they weren't doing. I'm yeah, they weren't doing their own thing. Like, right. And then before, I mean, they had like the Wonderful World of Disney. They did all their like they had like Disney TV movies and shit. And uh, mm. I mean, they still kind of did that, but uh, right, you know, it's like business wise again i mean we'll get into this and you know the ultimate fall of them creatively was sort of them expanding as an entertainment empire in the 90s right um, it, it, but it's also and it and that was run by a man named michael eisner who was also sort of responsible for the beginning of this renaissance right like he takes over in 1985 and that's the year that the black cauldron comes out which is eh, whatever but you can uh, you look, audacious in its own way, but not a successful children's movie. But yeah. right. <laughs> it has really cool art. But uh, it, the story doesn't make sense, and it's like just relentlessly bleak. 
When, when, oh, interesting. I, I just noticed this. Uh, Eisner takes over late 85. Uh, in February 86, he changes the company name from Walt Disney Productions to the Walt Disney Company. Huh. Uh, so sort of beginning to de-emphasize just their production and sort of his vision as them as like a global, you know, entertainment empire, I guess. They're a company now. They're not just a production company. Right. They are a company that does other things. Um, and then he opens the first Disney store in 1987, which I think are now mostly defunct just because they don't need them anymore. Right. And in 88, along with the launch of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Walt Disney Computer Software is founded. So... Um, yeah, he started beginning to see the rumblings of him start to create this mega company. But what does a mega company need in order to get their foot in the door? They need money and they need a creative stance, right? Yeah. So he spearheads this great run of movies through an eight and eighty nine to ninety-nine. Which is kind of where where Tarzan lies and it's considered sort of the end. Tarzan and Toy Story 2 are both released in 1999. Yeah, okay. Toy Story 2 was released in... Oh, my God. Oh, wow. <laughs> Roll what? the shit, man. <laughs> God, jeez. Anyways, so that's kind of uh, considered the end of their uh, um, really good run of animation. Uh, and then The Emperor's New Groove releases in 2000. I hate The Emperor's New Groove, but I know a lot of people who like it. I, I, I do like it, but I understand why people wouldn't. But Okay, I'm going to read you some just the timeline of the movies. Okay. Uh, just of how incredible this was. 89, you have The Little Mermaid. 90, The Rescuers Down Under. 91, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, 92, Aladdin. 93, they take uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay. 94, Lion King. 95, a goofy movie and Toy Story. Shit. 96, The Hunchback of Notre Dame and 101 Dalmatians. Oh, but that's the live action the one. The live so fuck action. It, yeah, yeah, fuck that. Uh, 97, Hercules. Oh, wow, that was a good year. The movies they released Disney that year, Hercules, Flubber, which I was actually at the world premiere of. Oh, nice. Yeah. And uh, Aunt of mine worked in the production studio that put it on, so we got to go see it. Met Robin Williams. Well, not, I, I, I waved at him from a distance. Right. Um, Air Bud and George of the Jungle, which is one of my favorite. Dude, George of the Jungle owns. I know. And how fucking hot is Brendan Fraser in that movie? Amazingly. Like, I, oh, man. I, again, I rewatched that, like, pretty recently, like, in my 20s, and I hadn't seen it since, like, maybe being 13 yeah holds up dude, <laughs> dude it absolutely holds you wouldn't think it would but it does <laughs> that's one of my all-time favorite lines the guys are like watching the girls are like ogling over george as he's playing with horse, like running around with the horses and the guys in the back smoking cigars like what is it with chicks and horses yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's not what they're looking at buddy they're looking at their shit <laughs> Well, he's got the whole Fabio thing going on, half unbuttoned shirt, like <laughs> just dancing with this horse. <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's beautiful too. Uh, so we got the, the so that's ninety seven. That was a good year for them. Ninety eight Mulan, and the beginning of their uh, 
some more uh, 3D things with a bug's life, which is good. Yeah. And then 99 Tarzan Toy Story 2. Uh, that, that's a solid 10-year stretch for any company, I think. Right. Yeah, you can't fuck with that too much. Because yeah. that's, I mean, that's probably eight or nine of their, probably eight of their ten most famous animated releases coming out in a ten-year span. And then you look at something like uh, Snow White and maybe Pinocchio is rounding that top ten out. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's it's the 60s when they sort of started to, to slip because, I mean, they started repeating, like, background images and character designs between movies because, I mean, you can't tell me that Baloo the Bear and Little John from Robin Hood aren't the exact same fucking drawing. <laughs> <laughs> they just put clothes on one of them and called it a day. <laughs> uh, right, yeah, but, no, yeah, I mean, you have, uh, yeah, Pinocchio and and snow white just being the undisputed like foundational classics and then anything else that people remember coming out in in the 90s man yeah right and and rescuers being sort of probably i think the most underappreciated of that bunch that it would i think that or tarzan probably the two most and it would be the yep. two uh, underappreciated ones and, yeah both uh yeah what is it with people in jungles well i guess Lion King <laughs> had jungles uh but just oh man i don't know but i i love rescuers uh <laughs> yeah, I, I i really i think you know the rescuers is great i think with the the beauty and the beast winning or the it was the first you know animated feature ever to be nominated for best picture at the oscars oh yeah um and i think it that combined with how good aladdin was yeah, sort of. Just a ton of momentum for those few years. Once Beauty and the Beast came out, and they realized that animated movies could be right. And I think, I mean, I think the Beauty and the Beast represented a, a bigger leap forward technologically. Like, <laughs> I mean, uh, I think Rescuers should definitely be considered as part of the, you know, the apex of hand-drawn animation. But oh, uh, you know, uh, Beauty and the Beast is, you know, that's when they're combining like computer imagery to just gorgeous effect, and. Yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. Um, but I think that's, yeah, that's a bigger reason. or that I mean, that's at least part of the reason uh, that, you know, Rescuers is kind of overshadowed. And it was a sequel, so maybe there was sort of an inherent distrust of sequels. Right. Um, and, which, yeah, yeah, it's got to be one of the best sequels ever made, right? I definitely, definitely, considering, uh, and I, I, I guess... don't know, man, Lethal Weapon 2. Lethal Weapon 2 is really fucking good. <laughs> Lethal Weapon 2 fucking owns. <laughs> yeah, Which, Austin, uh, Austin Powers 2 is also really good. That's uh, true, yeah. Uh, we don't talk about Goldmember. We don't talk about Gold. I heard they were going to make a third one, then they didn't. Yeah, then they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> There's a screenplay floating. <laughs> um, it was going to have Beyonce. Oh, it's going to be bad. Yeah. <laughs> make a lot of ethnic jokes about much. Uh, <laughs> Not on board with that. Haven't uh, they suffered enough? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, right. No. No. Yeah. I mean, and uh, I get. Yeah. And I guess that's the meat of the issue. I mean, what what is it that makes an effective sequel? And so, what, so between these two movies, like, this is the big question: What makes Rescuers work, and what makes an extremely goofy movie just 
a cinematic abortion. <laughs> uh, I cause, okay, so they're obvious uh, in the rescuers. They're the, the very least obvious ties to the first one that go beyond just they put the same characters on screen. Um, you know, there's you know mentions of the organization that they work in. You know Wilbur being Orville's brother, all that stuff. I mean, um, it is the same basic plot too. Sure, they go somewhere. Child, rescued. child in, in yeah. danger, but uh, yeah. it's a boy instead of a girl this time. Yep. And it's the outback to create sort of a, a little more global, epic scale. But I think what makes it work is that if you were to take out the fact that it's a sequel, the movie still works on its own. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's huge, and I mean that's you know that's a big thing because like the first 20 minutes are just on cody yeah like we don't we don't even get introduced to supposedly the main characters until you know 15 or 20 minutes in right uh, and, the, and the thing is this is cody's story it's not bernard and bianca's story this is cody's story yeah and bernard and bianca are just there to help him <laughs> yep, not they, drown in a river they are the rescue <laughs> yeah. no yeah there is a sense where you feel like uh cody uh is properly motivated and probably could have gotten out of it himself, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they're just there to, you know, help out a friend <laughs> that they haven't met yet. <laughs> they haven't met yet. They're in London. I think, yeah, like they're in London at the beginning of the movie, right? I think uh, it's New York. New York. New York. Yeah. I mean, cause the rescue aid society like is inside the United Nations. And is right. You're right, you're right. Yeah. You're right. It's just the way they drew New York is kind of London esque, And I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, I, so the, yeah, they're in New York, and then they get this wire from Australia: "Help, a kid needs you." Okay, uh, it's a bit of a flight. Hopefully, he's okay by the time we get there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we'll take a bird. Yeah, <laughs> and then they end up taking a plane too, which is the weirdest part. Um, yeah, and then they're just kind of there. They're just kind of chilling in Australia. And they find him within like ten minutes of their arrival. So. Yep. <laughs> well, there's a lot of implied, you know, distance there. I mean, yeah. for most of the movie, like, uh, oh, that's that's an interesting thing. Bernard and Bianca are just in transit like the whole time. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> really the, uh, you know, if I remember the first movie correctly, like, I mean, they get to New Orleans or whatever pretty quick, and it's all about like figuring out how to break into the the casino boat fortress right mm-hmm. kind of to, to bust penny out because she's looking for diamonds <laughs> in that cool pirate cave that's in louisiana for some reason God, <laughs> that movie was awesome <laughs> it's so fucking cool <laughs> like, you know they're meeting all these like outback mice that are like drinking whiskey and shooting guns and shit <laughs> like, or not outback like yeah, yeah southern deeps yeah <laughs> the disney company does not have a good history with presenting cajuns on screen no no (laughs) but yeah and then i mean this one is just like oh wait this kid's really fucking far out there we like (laughs) the big hurdle is just covering all this ground (laughs) to to actually find the child uh yeah yeah. and so then they've got they've got jake their trusty down under kanga mouse or whatever the fuck he is Who is just putting the moves on Bianca from right. just second number one? Like even that fly that works with him. As soon as she, as soon as they land and they see her, he looks at Jake. He's like, "Oh no, 
He was another one of those bitch mice that he's gonna try and it's fuck. A, I mean, which is a hundred percent torn right out of Crocodile Dundee and the whole oh, like, shoot. like late seventies, early eighties Ozploitation thing, right? You know, where I mean, that was sort of an established thing in Crocodile Dundee, where like the the New Yorker blonde lady comes down and like everybody in that town's like, oh, you gonna put the moves on this tourist too? But no, <laughs> he falls in love. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know this movie's just uh jake getting thwarted by our, by our homeboy bernard right. um, good for bernard by the way yeah no and i i actually really like bianco's characterization as mm-hmm. as kind of maybe thin i mean it's sparse i won't say it's thin um, i think she comes across as, uh, I, maybe thin's the right word there's a strength to her for sure and i think like all of the the things that may make her sound weak or something else are just her being an adorable little Hungarian girl who doesn't speak very good English. Yep. But she could do it if she if she tried. Like, she's clearly capable. Right, right. But, uh-huh. right, you know, she's the one, no, we gotta go help this kid, and it, it's just yeah. so propelled by her, uh... Goodness. Yeah, yeah, her, her goodness, and like, um... I don't know, even just, uh... Right, she's not treated as an object, and, I mean, just the way, like, sort of the, the romantic tension plays out between, you know, Jake's flirty, Bernard's sort of jelly, but they never use this to reflect poorly on Bianca. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's pretty obvious she's not really falling in for Jake's shit. No. I mean, she's not rebuffing him overtly, but, you know, she's she's not obviously put under a spell at all, right. either. She's just Though like, oh, I what was. A- yeah, <laughs> we all were. <laughs> I wanted to hang out with Jake. Yeah. Uh, like, so right. he wrestled that snake just for them. Yep. <laughs> so fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, but she's just kind of like, oh yeah, this, this guy's cool, I guess. And like, yeah. you kind of get the, I don't know, it kind of melted my heart when, uh, you know, Jake expresses doubt in Bernard's capabilities. And she's like, you don't know Bernard like I do. That was a great scene. I, I I feel for Bernard, man. Like I guess uh I don't know, I guess I identify with the the sort of overtly incapable but good hearted man, you know? <laughs> like uh <laughs> like, both, brother, don't worry about Yeah, it. not uh right. I haven't wrestled a bear or anything, but right. uh, I'm not a sexy Australian. Right, yeah, yeah. And just uh I don't know. I just it's such a it's such a sweet little moment and then then Bernard just is a boss for like yeah. the last 15 minutes of the movie. Just motivated by good-heartedness and like his love for Bianca. So God damn. He, I mean, yeah. I God think damn. It's, it's 75% his good heart. Like he he wants to save that kid. Yeah. Like and 25% well if I don't do this I'm never going to see a Bianca again. Right, so right. No, it is no, it is definitely his his goodness. There's a problem that needs fixing. He's the only one that can do it and like by god, he's going to do it. Yeah. Uh he's going to tame that razor back. <laughs> and, uh, I have a note here. She never wears any pants. But I mean, I guess she is a mouse. But it was very yeah. scary. Yeah. <laughs> um also appreciate that this fact this movie doesn't over anthropomorphize animals. No, they're just mice, and it with they, I mean, little they, jackets. Right, like, they have little jackets. They walk upright, but they're just mice. Uh, yeah. I I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate the restraint. Uh, yeah, I also have in here. It's true. Uh, mice do run the universe. 
sort of uh, taken from uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like they exist in the same universe now, because mice are clearly the ones making everything right. Anyways, so this movie does a lot of things. We just kind of just went off on what it does well. It does a lot of things well. Right. We like it. Again, yeah, and again, like I saw, I saw this movie before. Uh, much like a lot of our most cherished franchises, I saw them out of order. I saw Rescuers first. Oh, yeah. And it, right, again, it absolutely does function as its own thing. Like, I mean, even if you don't know Bernard and Bianca's history, I mean, they just imply it right away. And you don't, yeah. you, you don't need the backstory. It's like, okay, it's been, it's obvious these two have spent a lot of time around yeah, each they other. Introduced the, they introduced them having a romantic dinner at a nice yep. restaurant. Yep. Oh, okay. So yeah. that's his mouse girlfriend and he's got yeah. his diamond ring and, and they're yeah. going to get mouse married. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which sounds awesome. I want to get mouse married. I think we all want to get mouse married. <laughs> and you know who wants us to get mouse married? The Disney company. Indeed. <laughs> they want us to be wearing little Mickey Mouse hats and... Yeah. <laughs> saying oh boy instead of I do yeah <laughs> will they sponsor my wedding if I... <laughs> you show them this podcast will you sponsor us <laughs> the double feature brought to you by the Disney, Disney the Walt Company. Disney Company <laughs> oh. uh, um, what did uh, what didn't work about an extremely goofy movie well I mean it's I will accept everything Right, yeah, everything. Oh, um, okay, what worked? What 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 is can you name a thing you liked about it? Oh, that wasn't the again, first I can only say the the crushing sadness of the first 5 minutes. Fair um, enough. Where, you know, it really just does riff on the the I mean, I think in the, and there was potential, like you know, you have this sort of reconciliation in in the first goofy movie of like, oh yeah, but it just sort of sets it back to zero and I think that's pretty indicative of um like teenage attention spans like i mean it's pretty easy to relapse right even though right. um so i think there was an interesting direction that could be taken with that and with the whole new challenge of going to college but uh right the goofy movie while it it wasn't as gimmicky you know it didn't yeah. have as many gimmicks i mean there was like the whole max wanted to go see that it was at a concert with the powerline yeah, yeah, he wanted to go there, and then Goofy's like, we gotta go to this, like, amusement park I loved as a child. Um, wanted to go fishing. Wanted the perfect to go... cast. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I... And then look at doing the perfect cast on stage with Powerline. Great, great scenes. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, right, it was just, it was personal, and, like, this one just is crushed under the weight of branding. Um yeah, in a, in the in a goofy movie, they also had Max do something relatable, like have a crush on a girl. Yeah. Uh, and or an extremely goofy movie, literally Max's only purpose is to sit there and talk about the X Games. Yeah. And only it, thing he does. Like, and I mean, I get, that was trendy at the time. I mean, I know I I had like an interest in skateboarding phase, but yeah. Uh... Yeah, there's no emotional core to it beyond I like skateboards and I don't like my dad that much. Um, there's just not a lot there. Uh, yeah, and then it's... Right, it's just... Yeah, I would like games. I'm glad that I, I, I'm glad that I, I suggested these two movies because I think, you know, just as a watch, like, you know, that you, you're like, okay, this is good, this is bad, this is where the company was at the time. I almost feel bad because there's just so little to say about an extremely goofy movie 
it's it sucks and it's right. uh, branding and uh, that the most I can say about it is the best thing I can say about it is that it exists and good for it. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the only movie that unequivocally I'd say don't watch. Um, <laughs> like, even as bad as Green Lantern is, like, in the right mindset, that's at least fun. Right. Um, <laughs> it, it sort of sticks to its own convictions, and there's enough, like, entertainment to be had, but... There's some Adam Sandler movies that they don't watch, but... Yeah. This might be the only animated movie I've ever seen that I would say unequivocally you might actually literally be better off not seeing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because there's just nothing, nothing interesting, <laughs> nothing nothing even worth a belly laugh. It's all just groan-worthy. Uh, it, it did make me look into, like, when Disney acquired ESPN and ABC, which would have been 1996, uh, yep. the same year that the X Games started. Um... And the year after a Goofy movie was released, so yeah, it was literally produced as a commercial for the X Games, which yeah. is a bummer. Pretty, pretty much, and like probably like the exact wrong target market for the X Games, like <laughs> people who already probably watched the X Games. Yeah, yeah, I. Yeah. Just nothing to be. What are we? Are we gunning for Polly Shore fans or something? Like, yeah. This is also right after uh, Eisner resigned and Bob Iger took over, um, and really just sent us into evil empire territory. Uh, he was the president of ABC when they got bought out. Oh, okay. By the Disney company, and then uh, Eisner stepped down. And he's all like, look what we've become. We can be more. We can Voltron into more things. Right. <laughs> um, then really lost touch with... I mean, Disney's put out good movies since then. Right, right. Uh, um, I mean, well, that's been mostly aided by Pixar, I think. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, uh, I guess... I, I mean, and I haven't seen, like, much of their, their, uh, their cell animated stuff just because I more or less aged out of it. Um, like none of it really appealed to me <laughs> as a teenager and college yeah. student. Um, I'm looking through their uh, their movie list. Literally, the only good ones are the ones that came out with Pixar. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's a bummer. Their next uh, their next animated release was The Princess and the Frog, which mm. uh, is what I was discussing when they had a bad history with. Uh, depicting Cajuns on screen. Right, right. There was a lot of race problems in that. There was a lot of race problems. Even though they were like, oh, it's our first uh, like black Disney princess. And... Every white person was fat and rich. Every Cajun was a dumb bug. Oh. Was, there was just a lot of problems. <laughs> just a lot of problems. Yeah, uh, I just, yeah, never, never bothered to see that. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, and Iger's thing was let's outsource everything. Let's buy the companies required to make good stuff. Yeah. And so they got... Yeah, what, vertical integration? Yeah. They got Pixar to do their their movies for them and held it a day. Yeah. Um, they bought Pixar for $7 billion. Jesus Christ. Yeah, you'd think Pixar would be worth more than fucking LinkedIn. <laughs> gotcha think so you know fucking snapchat's supposed to be worth four billion dollars how i don't know 
It's literally never in one quarter of its existence turned a profit, but it's still thought to be worth four million dollars. It's just the oh my god, that's just the fucking Silicon Valley thing that I don't understand at all. Like, yeah. maybe I just need, maybe I will if I watch more of the good show Silicon. <laughs> it is a, that is a good show. Uh, Having lived in Silicon Valley, it's uh, I don't know. It's it's my dad was you know he worked for Apple for a long time and. IBM for a long time. Now he works for Cliff Bar. Um, Righteous. Yeah. So I get a lot of Cliff Bars as care packages. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but and you know he he hates the corporate grind, but it's uh, it's the money man. He's yeah, I, I and I grow more sympathetic to that uh, as my twenties sort of wear on. So. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, oh, man, Cameron Hand seems like a solid dude, so I'm not. He's a he's a good guy. Um, but yeah, no, you know, when you're you're in college and you're all idealistic, like man, fuck the man, make your own way, be an artist, and then you're 25 and you're like, you, you know what? If Google wanted to hire me, I wouldn't complain. Yep, <laughs> I've got all this student debt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, that's fine. I'm willing to pay. That's uh, yeah. Yeah, man, as we wind down, double feature life lessons. I mean, what what's sort of the biggest takeaway you got from watching this? I, I reminisce for when Disney was a company with artistic ambition. That That's my my life lesson. But I, and I, so I guess to to turn that into a life lesson, what we were talking about in Silicon Valley, you know, the older you get, the more you understand that sometimes you just got to make a dollar, man. And that's, uh, that's really the story of these two movies is right. the company matured from its artistic college days to, well, I gotta provide for my family now. So. Right. So we had to shit out an extremely goofy movie on yeah. on VHS. Uh, yeah. So I guess I guess that's my life lesson. Sad as it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, it's it's important though. Um, figuring out that authenticity isn't all it's cracked up to be and really isn't the way the world works like right. you know when you realize normal is uh cognitive dissonance like things just right. get a lot easier <laughs> which isn't Very to say true. don't stick up for some things but you have to realize you have to retreat in other areas so yeah i mean yeah absolutely it is it is what it is but i mean yeah the same uh you know folks gave us you know this you know, bit of our childhood that we won't trade for anything, and then uh, oh, something. Absolutely, I'm gonna. To... You know, God willing, if I ever have kids, this will be one of the first movies I ever show them. Definitely. Definitely. So, I mean, it came out when I was two. You know, and yeah. I kept my parents kept it on VHS rerunning, you know, till I was five. Yeah, I think I had like a taped off TV version or something, but. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean that. Yep. It's a treasure. It's a it's a treasure of a movie. It's... Right. I mean, it just like great visuals, just an intense sense of adventure and, you know, a, a real, uh, you know, just commitment to good heartedness and, and a palpable sense of urgency. It was just it's a well-constructed movie. Yeah. Yeah. Just it. Yeah. It's a fun watch. Even now, like even bracketing my own nostalgia, it's. Yeah, it's got enough to sort of keep your ass in the seat for <laughs> it's not even that long. It's only like an hour. Seventy seven minutes. Yeah, hour and seventeen minutes. Not yeah. not long at all. I mean, pleasant way to spend an afternoon or a morning, as it were. Exactly. Um, 
And you can play a fun drinking game whenever Bianca says, Bernard, <laughs> or McCree goes, Joanna. Yeah. <laughs> and oh. get pretty hammered, get a good day drunk out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, right on. So, yeah, coming coming down to the, the end here, uh, any any sort of other pieces of art you've been consuming recently that you'd you'd like to give a shout out to? Oh, uh, well, the Double Feature Podcast. Aw. That's been really good. Uh, <laughs> also, our friend Taylor has been putting out some pretty solid album reviews on uh, three listens and a review. Um, in terms of that, really, I, you know, I've, I've been pretty bad about ingesting new things recently. Uh, the, the only thing I've been keeping up on is Game of Thrones, which was amazing. Yeah, that about wraps us up for another week at the double feature. Uh, we'll uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye. I spoke into his eyes. I-